This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Today, we talk about the challenges of maintaining technicians in the field on a job that they may very well think is temporary. We talk about the challenges of doing paper reports and having them typed after the fact. I'm your host, Brian Wagner, a licensed professional engineer. And in this episode of the Engineering Quality Control Podcast, I'll be talking with Chernil Barry, professional engineer and field services supervisor at Englo Corp a leader in fields of engineering, geosciences, environmental management, soils and materials, treatment, asset integrity, and quality management. So let's jump right in. So now I would like to welcome our guest for today, Terno Barry from Englobe Corp. Terno, Welcome to the Engineering Quality Control Podcast. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to express myself and share my experience. Can you just tell our audience about yourself and what you do on a daily basis? My name is uh, Cherno Berry, originally from Guinea in West Africa. Moved to the United States uh, in 1997 for my higher education. I lived there for about 13 years. You know, I did all my civil engineering, and then I have a master's degree in business management. And then I work uh, for a company called ECS, Engineering Consulting Services. They do, you know, all inspection and uh, testing. And then uh, things got a little bit tough in terms of, you know, getting my H-1B visa. As being international student, I was about to become, you know, out of status. And then I had an opportunity to apply work, a resident permanent in Canada, which went very successful. And then I decided to move to Canada. And then I moved to Canada in 2011. So when I moved to Canada, it was a big challenge trying to get into the field. But, you know, in the U.S., I did more about technician testing. I wanted to, you know, change. I said, okay, I'm in a country where, you know, I have my paper, so now I'm going to, you know, doing engineering right away, but wasn't the case. So one year I started working, you know, have a survival job, work for Bell Canada for, you know, telecommunication. And uh, after one year, I decided to go back again, you know, to start at the bottom as a technician in company used to be called LVM. Now it's become Anglo. So from there, I move up, up to where I am right now. So on the daily basis, right now I'm working for this company is more than 10 years now as a field supervisor, at the same time as a project manager. I deal with technicians on the daily regular basis in terms of quality control, quality assurance, inspection, and uh, review report and send report, and at the same time review tender documents and uh, prepare proposals. That's what I do on a regular basis. You're reviewing 
the work that your people in the field or technicians are doing and bringing back to the office, right? Sure. Yes. From that perspective, from a leadership role in that role, what things do you think are crucial about the testing processes and the documentation that kind of goes with that? What I find strange, you know, we're still operating in the old-fashioned way, like paper. <laughs> so we technicians still have to hand in paper to the, you know, when they go to site, whatever test they do, they have to give a copy to the inspectors or the clients. On a regular basis, I deal with, you know, paperwork a lot, <laughs> review reports, and then we still have to type them, right? Which is also another challenge because of the technology. I know when I was in the U.S., uh, when I did technician, it was more different. Each one has, uh, at that time, was a tablet, uh, PDA. There was less paper, and uh, you just input your data, and then you upload at the end of the day. We I'm facing with, you know, all these reports on a daily basis is a, sometimes it's hard to read. Some people handwrite, you know, handwriting. That's a challenge. So are the technicians putting in their, or typing up their own reports, or... Is that going to somebody else to type and put into the computer? That goes to somebody else to type. Okay. Have you ever seen any quality issues there? Like they can't read the handwriting or? Yes, that's one of the reasons. Sometimes, you know, it's uh, we keep going back and forth and calling even the technician to clarify because it's not clear. But some people have different way of handwriting, right? So they might think the way they wrote is correct, but uh, when somebody, you know, Try to understand is a different way, a different thing. Somebody has to type all these reports before we send it to our client. One of the notes I have here that we can talk about is in that testing processes and in other critical areas of construction, but what advice do you have or what opinions do you have on making sure that those materials are tested and meet the standards and specifications? And the documentation that you're doing and the quality that you're ensuring happens on your documentation end of things is related to the field and those testing procedures and those processes so that work can continue. So basically what we do, we train technicians so that, uh, you know, they can follow proper procedure and know the specs so that when they go on site, they will be able to follow, you know, the testing because... All the tests have procedure to follow. And then there are some specifications for each type of material. So we have to make sure they, they know those uh, specs. And uh, if they don't know, we ask them to contact uh, someone more experienced for help. So basically, it's uh, really helping in a way that before we send you to the site, there are some basic training you need to pass, like concrete, for instance. You need to get certified. You have to pass the test, practical and uh, written tests. And here is a little bit different compared to what I did in the U.S. Still, U.S., you know, even to test soil, you have to be certified. You have to do, because I did some, you know, foundation inspection there too. You have to be certified for foundation testing. But in my company, it's a little bit different. Probably, I don't know if it's the size of the work we have or what we're dealing with. So basically only the concrete testing is required. And then the other one, we do it in-house for the asphalt and the granular compaction for certification. So that was going to be my next question is, are those trainings in-house or are they off-site trainings that local authority wants 
to have to produce a card or a, a qualification. Especially for the concrete, is uh, there's a training for concrete. Either you do the the quality CCI is the Canadian standard. You know, is the association of laboratory in on, in Toronto, in Ontario, and there's also some people take the ACI for concrete, American you know, Concrete Institute, and then for the other one, people who are really doing with the asphalt, there's another certification. But those are the people who work really in the lab. But if you are working in the field. We just have to train you in-house and give you, uh, there's a device we use to check the compaction called nuclear gauge. Probably you heard about it. It has some kind of radiation. So that one, we, you know, we give them a training. They have to pass uh, so that they know how to operate the machine and where all the safety, you know, related to particular device so that they are aware. So those kind of training we do in-house. Those are mandatory certification they get, but all the other testing, you know, like uh, asphalt and granular, they just uh, learn on, you know, on the job. And you have my wheels turning as manager and managing staff. I'm sure that you have new staff coming in from time to time. What are you seeing as far as maybe not saying somebody like off the street that's never done this work, but if like your company does in-house training and they're coming from another company, do you ever see conflicts with? the way somebody else does it versus the way you want them to do it? And does that ever cause issues when those technicians go to the field? Yes, actually, because uh, we had some different technicians coming from a different company. Testing is the same, but only like writing the results. For instance, I give an example. For compaction test, we have our own form. Like, you know, each company have their own form. But uh, in our form, for instance, you have to calculate all the wet density you get those data from the machine, but some company I've seen that they only write either the percentage of the compaction or the dry density. They said, okay, if you know the moisture, it just obvious because all they're looking for is the dry density. They don't write the wet density. So that creates another issue because we have to go do back calculation because we have to, the way our report are presented, so we have to, you know, follow that, right? But the other guy from another company and using different way that can create some kind of correction. Which then leads to efficiencies and quality if somebody questions something or another technician goes on the same site and then you start looking at, I mean, I know I've looked at reports from different inspectors over the years and, and it'll be the same like format structure and you go through the whole thing and then you'll get to a day where he was off. And then you get this other report that's either super elaborate that explains all this other stuff that would have been really nice to know if the other person did this or the other extreme where there's nothing, like they were just on site. Yeah, actually what I've seen also, based on experience, some of our technicians who are really experienced, they want to be more detailed, you know, instead of just putting the numbers, they also add some notes. If there were any deficiency, they noted during the testing. But some other guy, they knew all they give you is the numbers. They don't go to detail, but all, you know, based on the experience. But, you know, what are we trying to do to improve the quality? We create some form, you know, we give them. So not only numbers, you can also take pictures so that sometimes picture talks louder than, you know, (laughs) the word, right? So there's so many times that pictures have saved my butt in the aftermath of a project, what did it look like before it was backfilled? And answering those questions with a picture is, is so much easier than even just notes. I agree, because the other day, 
one of my technicians actually, he was arguing if the result failed because <laughs> luckily he took a picture, but when he showed the picture, you can see the material were not even compacted. So, and then the contractor, because what happened, contractor has their own QC. So we are in that project acting as a QA, working for the city. So when the result failed, they say, okay, oh, our QC guy you know, got this. Well, because of the technician had a picture of, they were, you know, backfilling, you could see easily that the material were not well compacted. So that also saves us. And the technology that we're all carrying around in our pockets now is so powerful to have a picture. I mean, I remember when I first got into engineering, we still had Polaroid cameras and everybody didn't get the camera when they went to the field. Can you talk a little bit about that asphalt testing and those challenges that you may encounter with that? Asphalt requires, you know, an experienced person because it's not only like, you know, sometimes you go on site, sometimes even the, in the nuclear like gas machine that we use, you know, I seen that, you know, compactions getting uh, some, like the new guy, they're getting like 98%, which is, uh, you know, you cannot get a 98% of compaction because the way that the asphalt compaction, it goes with the air void. So let's say if you say you have 98% of compaction, that's meaning you have only 2% of air void, which is out of the limit. So that's why if you have an experienced person, instead of trying the machine, because as a technician, sometimes, you know, you try on one location, you get higher number, you still have to check around, you know, if you can, if all the value are the same. But if somebody doesn't have experience, he can just do one-time test and then record that value. You might think, you know, this is, uh, because in the eye of some people, 98 is unacceptable because it's too, you know, that's mean, too much compaction. While if you change the gauge in another location or move like one meter off, like offset to try again, you can get a different, you know, result, which is probably the right. It also depends. Sometimes if it's too hot, I seen based on my experience, the result, all that you have to be a very experienced person so that you know when to test. That's another challenge because some people, you know, you have to wait until they finish all some of the rolling and also no waiting until to the end, until the asphalt start getting harder, right? Otherwise, it's going to break. If you tell them to compact more in case, you did not get the result. Uh, if, let's say, you're getting a lower compaction, and you want the guy to compact more if his asphalt start already getting harder. So it's going to be breaking. So, you know, it uh, always uh, goes with experience based on uh, what I've seen on the field and uh, the result also as I've seen. As a manager, are you selecting the technicians that go to the field and which projects they go to? Yeah, actually we do because based on uh, how critical is the project, we do send the more experienced technician if it's a complicated project. If like a newly hire, we send them to do only concrete. Or if it's, let's say, you have to deal with uh, subgrade inspection, you need someone more experienced. So it's all based on, you know, the experience when we schedule technician on site. And sometimes with the experienced technician, it's, uh, it's still, you know, a challenge because <laughs> they might find different things on site, right? But they always have, you know, experience will help them to figure out. We always advise to make decisions that you are not sure. Contact a senior guy for, you know, right answers. Right. And it comes back to team collaboration and all watching out for each other. Yes. You inspect concrete, asphalt, subgrade. Do rebar inspections and things like that? 
I do report inspections. And can you talk about some of the challenges with that? Because especially, or is there a certification that goes along with those inspections or is that in-house too? Because I feel like some of that can be very critical with lapping or sizes and all those different aspects that even as a new person with some experience, getting that experience can be a challenge. Sure. Based on what I, my experience, like for me, for myself, when I started doing inspection, I did it in the U.S. There was a course the company offered called Structural Steel Inspection. So that's when they teach you all the different size of the bar or the lap and the cover. So I had opportunity to read, to attend that uh, training. But uh, here in my company, most of the inspection, what we do, we send it to the people who are like engineers because people are the, who have the engineering certification. Some of the senior technicians also do the inspection based on those they have done it, you know, previously. We're trying to also to teach the young one, the junior technician, what to look when they go on site in terms of lap, like bar size and cover, and, you know, to check if the rebar are rusted or, you know, if there's a dry concrete on it so that the bonding will be perfect. We do this on in-house. What challenges do you have from those in-house programs maybe, or even from the certification programs, but what challenges do you see and how do you overcome them in maintaining the quality and the reputation of the work that your company is doing? So the challenges we're facing right now, it's uh, one of the challenges, uh, you know, having senior guys, because uh, the way I see the industry these days, many of the guys, they are just looking at this particular technician, just a temporary thing, let's say, especially the people who graduate from university, they don't want to do this for the rest of their life. They just want to come do two days and they don't, if you're doing something just for temporary, you know, you don't get too serious to go deep and learn. They just take it as a, in my company, we have a lot of turnaround of technician. Like every season, we have to hire. Every firm in the nature of what you do has the same challenge, Almost. I believe. Because I don't know if it's the nature of the work in terms of the weather. In Canada, for instance, when it's winter time, many construction almost stop. If you don't have many work, you have either lay off people. So when you lay off people, some of them come back, some of them don't come back. And all the senior guy, you know, they've been probably working some company for so many years and it's hard to leave. You know, they just probably want to retire or something and that's one of the challenges and the other challenge is uh, some of them are not really well trained even though we try to do our best to do in-house give them some documents since there's no like a proper you know training in some of these uh, only the countries has a proper training but some of them is we just give you books they don't learn as much as you want them to learn or to know you know test. since many of them take it as a temporary thing after I do this for one year, I don't want to test concrete for the rest of my life. That's a big challenge for our company right now. That challenge is probably not uncommon, especially with the technicians. I mean, I know I've, I've talked to other engineers that have been in similar roles and expressed. So I had a project once where we work with a geotechnical engineer on the front end, on the design end. And we have a great positive experience and the client then hires that geotechnical engineer and the inspection firm to do their construction inspections. Well, 
for the construction inspection side, it's the technician come to the field to test the concrete, do the compaction testing and those things. And they had nothing but trouble with them. And they were on me about why are you recommending this company? Because they're terrible to deal with. They don't show up on time. They don't have the right equipment. They don't know the technicians are obviously new. They don't know what they're doing. Like I can do their job better than they can. And I'm not even supposed to do their job. And some of the things that you just echoed in your challenges are exactly what they've said and what I've heard from other construction professionals. And I think it's partly the nature of the work. Like you said, laying somebody off for a couple of months, they're going to go get another job. They're going to go do something else or say that they don't want to be in the field every day. So I think that's just a, overcoming that challenge probably across more than just your company, but the industry itself. As far as the industry and the work that you're doing, I know you said that you're still using paper and then typing things in. There's definitely been a movement to technology and PDAs or iPads and other technology actually in the field. But where do you see the industry going? Not necessarily with your just your company, but like in the work that you do in general. Well, actually, with the technology, I think it uh, even my you know companies start uh, embracing those uh, new changes. This year, we are supposed to introduce, you know, a new system that technicians will have tablet so that when they go on site, they can do their report, you know, and then to reduce the paperwork. So it's been helping. And with the technology, cell phone, now everyone has a smartphone. So they can, you know, like give money. An example, you know, when I go to site, it's easy for me to go on Google, like if I'm not sure, like to type uh, like ASTM, spec or Ontario, they call OPS specs, like to read and understand. So because of that, it's really helping me doing the job. And I'm pretty sure it's helping many people, you know, do the job properly and correctly. It's hard to say where the industry is going to go as far as what technology and what's coming in the horizon. We can only speculate, really. I do want to transition to what we call the power of experience segment. So we want to just talk about some piece of advice, something that maybe that you picked up throughout your career that you think could help our listeners. Maybe something you heard, maybe a tip, a trick, something like that. You're free to share whatever. It can be about what we talked about. It can be a completely different, but just something that you'd like to share with our audience. Yeah, actually, I just want to share something about my own experience. It was back in September 29, 2021, I was on site actually, you know, doing some subgrade inspection. So I had an injury that really changed. <laughs> we were on site. We've identified all the problems with the site in terms of drainage and all that. And there was a catch basin open because they wanted to see if the catch basin is not, uh, is not plugged. So catch basin was open. After we finished all, everybody was parking. And then I was walking through and uh, I saw one guy struggling with trying to cover the catch basin. So I came, I helped him to cover it. But unfortunately, we were not using the proper tools. Normally, they use pickaxe, right, to lift it and then put it back. So I tried to help him to position the cover. And then all of a sudden, when we lifted the cover, we tried to place it. With our hand, my hand got stuck. And then the catch person cut my finger completely. <laughs> so based on that experience, I would say, you know, for new, if this is not your work, <laughs> don't go. And if you don't have the proper tool and equipment, 
don't get even the approach because this is really cut my finger. It took me like, uh, I still have the, you know, you can see, but the finger completely, not the whole finger there from the nail up, everything, the cover cut it. Based on that, you know, if you are not trained and if it's not your job, don't do, you know, always try to work with safety. Safety number one, look for yourself. There's so many things happening on the, you know, on, on site. So that's one of the piece of advice I will ask, you know, <laughs> because since that happened to me and I probably should know better not to, you know, you cannot close <laughs> a catch basin with, uh, you know, your hand, right? Either you use a pick ass, but, you know, since I see someone was struggling, you know, but the cover was about to fall in the hole. I tried to help him, but it really hurt my finger. It backfired on you. Backfired on me. Always work with safety. Safety is very important. At the end of the day, you know, we have to go home to our family. So we don't want to get injured or, you know, something happen. I mean, I'm sure that many of us in, that go into the field or anything probably don't always think you want to help somebody out and then you end up hurting yourself which is a terrible situation to end up in. With that, unless you have any other closing remarks, any thoughts, thank you for your time, and uh, I wish you the best. I just thank you for the opportunity to you know, express myself and um, to help as, as much as I can. One thing I will advise you know, young you know, engineers or technicians, believe me, when I started doing technician job, I thought it was uh, demeaning, but uh, what I learned, what I've been actually still learning, is a lot because I have a degree, but what they teach you in school is just theory. But if you go on site, many things actually I learned in school only when I went to the field, I saw really what it is because I remember foundation class, they talk about pride. So when you happen to work with them, <laughs> it's interesting. So I will, you know, encourage everyone to start at the bottom and then, you know, grow yourself. You will learn a lot along the way. So that's what I have advice for young engineers or even people who want to get into the field to, you know, don't see testing or as it, you learn a lot if you are willing to, because they always say there's a good technician and bad technician. So good technician always learn. And even if you go into design, you will have a better picture how to design thing, you know, because you already experience it on the field instead of, you know, just sitting in the office. So it's very important to, you know, start somewhere. It helped me a lot. It's helped me grow and learn and I'm growing. It's, uh, I will encourage everyone to start from the bottom. Don't jump the steps. So it's very important. Well, we'll leave it with that. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure. Please remember that you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at engineeringqualitycontrol.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points that we discussed, as well as any links that we may have referenced. Until next time, friends, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.